Thanks so much, Sheila. So welcome everybody and welcome to um, our Educa Educate Plus um, professional development session. Um, I'm hoping that all of you know a little bit about Educate Plus, but just in case you don't, I want to let you know that you're not alone. This is the most amazing networking and professional development opportunity for everyone that sits in um, admissions, alumni, community relations, fundraising, marketing communications, and even IT, because I know we've got some IT people there today. I don't want you to feel, and we don't want you to feel like you're working alone. And sometimes that can be the case if you're working in a non-teaching environment is that you might have a question, oh, I don't know how to do this report, I've been asked to do something different. There are so many people waiting there to reach out and help you with a number of different things. And if you've not considered coming to um, our professional development conferences um, and the international conferences, have a look at our website and see what amazing things are on offer there. And also come to our uh, webinars because they're really valuable just like this one. So today's professional development has been organised by the Northern Territory and SA chapters. Um, and I want to mention that there's quite a few um, online today. And we've got 125 people listening to this, so that's just sensational. And I'm really great that COVID's come along and we do webinars now, so we can reach as many people as possible. Um, for those who are not a member yet, is um, check out the Educate Plus website and email Tina, she's a lovely, lovely lady who can help with your membership um, and help you in that way to understand the value of what membership can be. Just going to share my screen with you um, because a lot of our um, work couldn't be possible without our sponsors. So Open Book Howden is one of our sponsors in South Australian NT, and it's an Australian-owned company and operated um, business employing over 55 um, people. So Open Book Howden's foundation is printing historically, but is definitely connected with education, and they currently represent over 300 schools nationally. So please don't worry that they're based in um, South Australia because they ship globally. Um, and their services include creation of strategic marketing plans, brand design and refresh, creative design, digital web, and of course, print. So um, we're all used to Zoom meeting, meetings, so you can connect with David Locke, he's a very friendly guy, um, even if you're interstate, and David and his team will build that really strong relationship with you um, to really meet your goals um, of printing and all the other digital design um, uh, you know, projects that we might have. So you can see on the screen that we actually have a special offer uh, from Open Book Howden today um, for Educate Plus members to take advantage of their yearbook discovery and directions package. So that's $1,990 worth of value and it supports our schools and colleges to um, evolve their annual magazines, ensuring it delivers the very best possible outcomes that we're looking for. Um, and the package includes workshops, surveys, and design concepts, all at no cost. So have a really good look at that and, and reach out to David Locke, because I'm sure he will um, definitely give you a hand. So before we start with our um, presentation today, I just want to tell you a little bit about Daniel Crago, our presenter. So he's here to share his insights into how we can achieve better customer experience, which is exactly what we want for all our communities, um, through really effective and targeted communications. 
Daniel is the director of DC Consulting and is newly appointed general manager of JP Media. And most importantly, he's a dad of two school-age girls. So you will have opportunities to ask questions throughout the presentation. So do send them through that um, chat room and I'll check in uh, with Daniel a couple of times through the presentation. And then you can ask those questions during and then again at the end. And feel free, very nice guy, he's very knowledgeable. So I will hand over to Daniel and he will begin his presentation. Good morning, everyone. Super pumped to be here today um, to, and really appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to so many people um, who are obviously clearly passionate about communication and obviously passionate about the education. I guess, first of all, how good is Zoom? Um, Zoom could be the only vaccine we ever actually get to coronavirus. Um, so let's enjoy it and let's praise it for what it's worth. Um, I'm also super passionate about Zoom um, because I've always wanted to be a comedian and Zoom gives me the perfect forum to be that because I can tell jokes and I can pretend like everyone's laughing at them, which is just fantastic. The other thing I love about Zoom is I love having meetings on Zoom um, because when somebody's sharing an opinion that you don't overly agree with, you can always just stick them on mute and move on. So all of that said, let's get on with the presentation um, today. How did I end up being in this situation um, presenting to you guys today? There's a couple of numbers on the screen there, um, which are very important numbers to me because they were my experience in a year um, with the school that my girls go to. So 426 represents the number of emails that I received um, from the school during that calendar year. 13 represents the number of different sources that those emails came from. And on top of that, there were also five alternate methods that I received other communications from as well. So how was the school possibly expecting me to keep up and, and to respond and to attend the functions that it, it was trying to organise? The sad part is I've actually found out that this is a common problem. Um, after being asked to speak to Educate Plus, I thought, well, I know a little bit about education, but I'm not certainly not um, the authoritative voice on it. So I decided to set about doing a bit of research. So I surveyed over 200 people um, from different schools around the state of South Australia and interstate and a couple in New Zealand um, to see whether the topic that I was about to present on was just an isolated issue or whether it was relevant to everybody. The experience that I got from doing that survey was that what I had experienced was actually not the worst. Um, there were far worse examples from other schools. Um, there was also a few at the other end of the spectrum where customers had said that they paid their fees and that was the last time they actually ever heard from their school. Um, so communication on both ends of the spectrum can easily put people offside. Now, Let's put this into perspective as well. In my personal life, I then went and had a look and I deal with about 40 organisations, um, which I don't consider that to be an overly large amount. Um, if all of them manage their communications in the same way, I'd be receiving about 17,000 emails a year or almost 50 a day. Now, 
that's just in my personal life. That doesn't take into account my work, marketing and spam I receive. So how are you able to eliminate this flooding of people's email and, and actually communicate more effectively and get your message across? So what sort of experience are you creating for your customers? These are people that you've worked very hard to recruit um, and have a very, these people have very emotional attachment to your school. This also seems, leads to frustrations within your organisations as well. I've sat on several boards, foundations, committees, um, and coach sport and been to parent teacher interviews. And I often hear people say within organisations, why is attendance down? How do we get more people involved? Do parents not care about their kids' education? The school community isn't like it was when I was there. Can't parents read? Don't worry, I'll just send another email. That'll fix it. So apart from creating a bombardment of parents' emails, this leads to frustration, um, both internally and externally. And what this can cause, um, which is only leads to exacerbate the situation, is it can start the, um, the parent whisper mill in full operation. And the worst thing you can ever have is a group of parents standing around a barbecue on the weekend talking uh, about how poor the communication or how poor the school is. At its worst, you can even fall into the trap of the boy who cried wolf. And this can lead to total disengagement of your customers and your audience. Now, as a general rule, I like to take people on face value um, and give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't believe that anyone intentionally means to create or cause um, this problem. It's actually a problem which is a bit systematic within a lot of organisations. Um, and in the organisations and the work that I've done, I often find that it's linked to uh, silos within the within companies. Now, these silos may not be the ones that you're actually thinking about. Um, often it's not department isolation, it's not junior school versus middle school versus senior school, it's not sport v music v drama. Um, they are actually business silos that are in fact made by the nature of the structures that we put in place within our organisations. These are often the primary cause of communication and customer experience breakdowns. So let me take you through a couple of those silos. System silos are often the first one uh, that causes issues. So communications is often the worst um, offender in this category. So you can email me, message me, WhatsApp me, Slack me, Jabber me. Um, are you on Teams? Visit my Hangout, send me a telegram. Um, all different systems, all designed to do the same thing. However, you're actually not effectively getting your message across by confusing the issue. What makes this worse is this is often systemic across other systems within your organisation as well. Document management, CRM, or the worst of all, your customer facing systems. Didn't you see it on the intranet? Oh, I posted that on Seesaw. What about classrooms? Have you used that? Um, no, there was an email sent out. Yeah, no, no, you were meant to respond on try booking. 
oh, your kid can't go because they didn't fill in the consent to go form. Um, and the list goes on. This also causes often the next silo, which is data silos. There should only ever be one source of the truth. Um, and this is one of often the hardest to achieve. But if it, it is the silo that if you are going to tackle anything and have the courage and the budget to do it, tackle this silo. Having all of your data in one place and accessible to everybody is the key to effective communication and the key to customer experience. Um, being able to know that customer view, obtain that customer view and see that customer view is vital. Process silos is the next one. This causes massive communication and customer experience issues also. These often lead to duplicates in communications where parents are, are double handled with their communication by different departments, different divisions and, and different methods within the school. Um, it's a classic of the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. So tackling this one will also streamline and make your communication more effective. The next four silos, in my view, are easier fixed and can be achieved by strong and clear leadership. Now, some of you might say that's not an easy fix, but it sometimes is easier than the others. Um, so direction silo is often a big one within, within schools where it's actually not clear what the role of the school is, what function they're trying to perform and the direction that they're heading. This can lead to miscommunication across the business and deal with expectations managed poorly or in a different way. Reality silos is also one of my personal favourites um, because as I'll explain later, measurement is one of my big things. Um, companies all have different ways of measuring their customer success and outcomes. This can lead to hotspots or isolated issues or isolated wins um, within the system. Surveying is a common tool for that. Um, and a quick and easy way to give a result. However, surveying when constructed poorly is often designed to get the outcome that we're looking for. And we can then return a customer satisfaction rating of 95%, up 3% from last year. Um, however, it's actually not a true reflection. And of the 200 people I surveyed um, as part of it, I then looked at their school's satisfaction results and asked them whether they thought that that reflected their their true feelings. And less than 30% said that they felt that the results actually reflected how they were feeling. I also have a great example of this reality silos from one of my previous experiences. I, I ran projects um, as a customer experience manager for a cemeteries authority. It was a dead easy job. Um, and I used to go out every morning and have go for a little stroll and say, Anybody got any, any issues, anything they want to talk about, anything they need to discuss, any problems that they want solved? Invariably, I got no response. So my only assumption was clearly that the customer satisfaction was at 100%. Goal silos is the next um, ones that we look at. And this is about structuring your business to ensure that your goals are correct. Um, if the customer isn't the key focus and understanding of every person within the organisation, then you are going to run into issues with customer and communication and experience. You will often have different departments within organisations which work, are working off different goals. 
You might have your finance and IT departments, which are looking for cost savings and efficiencies. You then have your, custom, your teaching staff, which are looking for the best educational outcome. You may also have the principal, which is responsible for the business as a whole. These conflict of goals only ever leads to a customer experience, which ends up being, um, being less than ideal. And the last one is measurement silos. How people are measured dictates how they will behave. If you are placing measures on people, which is not focused on the customer, then they will perform to the measurements that are put in front of them. This often leads to um, disadvantage and stunting of growth within uh, an organisation. Silos create inefficiency, they create waste, they create inaccuracy, and ultimately they, they create loss of customer and staff. And the end effect of that is diminished profit, profitability and the potential of growth. Bridging these silos and developing a customer-focused approach um, is a real competitive advantage. It still is, but it's not gonna be for long. Soon that will be the norm and what is expected. And where does that leave customers, where does that leave companies who don't adopt that process? The customer. Let's talk about the customer for a while. After all, they're why we all have a job. They're why we all have the luxury of sitting here today. But how often do we actually think that? Why have we become so complacent? Why is it that we work so hard to get them, but then once we've got them, we often think that it's them who are the lucky ones to have found us. The customer is the key to your business. So excite them, delight them with, with how you treat them and how you deliver <clears throat> truly memorable customer experiences. Now, I may have lost a few of you there in my customer experience fantasy land, but if you can do it, let me tell you, you will reap the benefits. Now, let me tell you a little bit, little story of an experience of mine for those of you who think that this might be too challenging for your organisation. Coffee, one of life's simple pleasures and one of my favourite things. Now, I probably consume three to four of these a day, and it's a regular part of my routine. I've always had a coffee shop, which I went to, um, which was great. They did good coffee, they did good service. They were in a convenient location, and heck, they even had a rewards card. So my story actually starts on a day when I wasn't near my regular coffee shop and was working, walking back from another meeting and passed by another coffee shop. I thought, I don't have time to get to my regular, so I'll just duck in here. I walked in the door in a bit of a fluster, went up to the guy, said, he said, oh, how can I help you today? I said, oh, just after a flat white, thanks, mate. Um, okay, great. Um, is there any particular way that you like your coffee? Was the next question that he asked. And it just took me a little while to get out of the, the zone that I was in, and I said to him, oh, no one's ever asked me that, but look, you're, you're the expert. You make it how you think it tastes best. Um, so he said, okay, no worries, mate. Thanks for that. Um, we'll, we'll bring it over to you. What was your name? 
I told him my name and went and went back to my phone, which is what I normally do while I'm waiting to receive my coffee. I did take a moment to take my head up from my phone and have a look around the coffee shop. And to my surprise, it was quite a different feeling to the coffee shop that I normally go to. People were, seemed to have a smile on their face. People weren't actually embedded in their phone like I was. And there seemed to be just a general happier vibe. I thought nothing more of it at the time. Um, the gentleman brought my coffee over. I, I drank it as I was walking back to the office. But the feeling of that place had stuck in my mind. I went back there the next day. I walked in. The guy behind the, behind the counter said, oh, Daniel, isn't it? I said, uh, yeah, kind of a little bit put back by the fact that the guy knew my name already. He said, flat white. I said, uh, yep, now it's starting to get a little bit weird. But anyway, was happy to, that he'd actually taken the time to know who I was and what my needs were. I paid at the counter and, and went and sat down. This time I decided to have my coffee in the coffee shop and took more time to observe the surroundings. Again, I noticed the overwhelming happiness within the store. This was then my experience from then on in this coffee shop. In actual fact, it only improved. Now I would just walk in the door, the guy would nod at me, I would sit down, he would bring my coffee, I would pay. Um, I didn't even have to do anything anymore. Um, and then to my surprise, one day, when I was clearly having a bit of a rough day, walked in, gave the nod, sat down, he came over, uh, put my coffee on the table, but he hadn't bought the FBOS terminal this time. And I said, oh mate, I, you know, I need to pay. And he said, look, don't worry about it, Daniel. It looks like you're having a bad day. This one's on us. And that, it was at that point that I was a little bit put, put back. I thought this guy actually really understands what customer experience is about. So I actually asked the guy a question. And it's one of my questions which I ask all businesses when I'm working with them. And that's the, the question of why are you in business? And to this day, this guy's response is still the one that um, has demonstrated that he really understands customer experience. He simply said, to make your day a little bit better. Um, it wasn't about the coffee for him. It wasn't about the anything to do with his business. His business true focus was the customer. And, and he understood that the reason why he was in business was because he was able to develop a customer connection and able to connect with customers on a different level to other coffee shops. And, and he was able to drive that through his business. And he was able to deliver that through a product, which was coffee. But the reason that he was there is because he was able to make customers' days just that little bit better. So on from that um, is the, a model which I use um, to explain customer experience and, and explain customer connection to, um, to groups. Um, and it's often been an eye-opener when I present to executives and boards um, as to how simple it is. Now this model isn't mine, I wish it was. Um, this model was created by a gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek. Um, and it's a simple three question model. Um, and it starts with what? Most companies are able to answer what they do. 
if I asked any of you um, as schools, what do you do? Well, we educate children. It's pretty easy. It's not hard. You know, that's what we do. A lot of, um, a lot of companies are able to answer the next question, um, which is then posed, which is, how do you do that? Well, we have a school, we have classrooms, we have teachers, we do all of this other fancy stuff these days, um, but that's how we do it. But when asked why, it's often a different question. Often the answer rate drops away, or it simply boils down to personal or money-driven answers. Well, why are we in business? Well, to make money. Isn't everyone in business to make money? Um, or it's, why are you in business? Well, because I've got a big ego and I want everyone to know how good I am. Um, the why is often the hardest question for businesses to answer. Um, and to give you an example of the, how powerful it can be if you start from the internal why and move out, Sinek used Apple as an example in his TED talk back in the 90s, um, where, well, back when Apple was an interesting, innovative, customer-focused company, that is. Sorry, all of you Apple fans out there. Um, he used the example of asking about Apple. Well, what does Apple do? Well, they make great computers. Um, how do they do it? Well, they do it by beautiful design and simple to use and user-friendly. And why do they do it? Well, because they believe in thinking differently. Now, that's not overly inspiring when it's put in that way. But if you reverse that and, put, and start with the why, so why was Apple in business? Well, it's because everything they do, they do because they believe in challenging the status quo and they believe in thinking differently. And how do they do that? Well, the way we challenge the status quo is by making our products beautifully designed, simple to use and user-friendly. And what do they do? Well, we just happen to make great computers. So you can see by understanding the why and putting that at the center of any customer experience, communications and marketing exercise actually is gonna deliver you a far different, far more effective and far more customer focused result. So I would ask you all to think about this approach. Most of you would have within your organizations visions and missions and values and goals but if you're asked the question why, could you easily articulate it? And is your answer internally or externally focused? By doing this alone, it will help you straighten up your communication and improve your customer experience. Once you've established this, you're ready to go. Who is your next challenge? I'm not sure how many of you have worked in a startup or worked with startups. But this question is obvious, often one of their biggest challenges. Who? You can't be everything to everyone, so pick your who's. But not only pick your who's, once you've got them, understand them and build your business around them. So most of your organisations are really fortunate. You've been around for years and have gained knowledge of who takes up your product and know the type of people that use your organisation. But do you really actually understand who your customers are? What categories do they fall in? Well, there's the obvious, there's students, there's parents, there's staff, and there's suppliers. But 
does that actually really answer the question of who they are? Often I see schools invest in departments that have marketers, PR, philanthropy, old scholars, and people labelled for onboarding. Now that's fantastic. And I'm sure a number of you in the room fall into those categories. But all of this, generally speaking, is focused as an external function. It's designed to attract new business. How many of your organisations have an equal number of people to resource the internal focus and a budget to match? How many of your organisations have chief customer officers, internal communications manager, customer journey officer, business and systems engineer, customer architect? From my experience, very few. Further to this, if you actually really know about your customer and not just the top line of name, address, phone, email, you can actually get further into the details and further into tailoring your experience for the customer. Knowing your customer is vital. It will lead to communication that's tailored and experience which is enjoyable for your customer. And this done well leads to advocacy. And this is the real kicker. Advocacy is just a really fancy word for free marketing. Now, if that is the case, then is there not an argument that you can have both? If you're getting your marketing for free, can you not divert the resources that you've got there already to actually focus on the customer and get the best of both worlds? The journey. Understanding customer journeys is the next part of the process. It really informs you of so much about your customers. Um, it also allows you to pave a smooth path for them. Now, we don't have time um, in today's presentation to go into the details around journeys, but I'm more than happy to discuss this offline with people if they wish, or um, maybe in another session, who knows. Um, the one thing I will say is that there is never just one journey. Map as many journeys as you can. They're also never flat. Understand that journeys are not flat, they're not straight, and they're different for customers. So you can group them, but never into one. And always keep your eyes on the road. Now, measurement. This is an area that I really used to hate. Um, it was always a question that got asked is, well, yeah, but how do you measure a communication strategy? How do you measure a customer experience strategy? Where's the income? Where's the revenue? Where's the cost savings? Why are we gonna spend money on that? It's not a building. And I used to get frustrated by that, but now it's one of my favorites. Um, this could be largely due to the excitement I still get from making customer experiences better for customers. It's, this measurement is what your finance departments are going to want to know. So before you embark on any customer experience or communication strategy, make sure that you've got the measurements in place. But it's not only going to be the finance department that's going to want to know about it. You're going to have to write it in a business case. You're going to have to justify it to your executives. You're going to have to justify it to your boards. Now, it all, but if you spend the time working out what your measurements are, it also has other benefits. It gives your strategy purpose and direction. 
And you also can't celebrate your successes with a glass of champagne or a beer if you don't know what it looks like. So make sure you get your measurements in line first. Also, pick measurements that are real. Um, don't overcomplicate them and make sure that they're understood and simple to communicate. Measurements don't always have to be immediately financial, but you need to be able to demonstrate their benefit long-term. Sometimes these impacts take a while to flow through. So factor that in, in how you're looking at your measurements. You can set up complex financial models. I've done that for many organisations, but that doesn't mean that you have to wait for those to be set up to start. There are some really simple measurements that you can put in place immediately. Look at attendance as a good measure of community. If you used to get 30 parents to watch a game of sport and you're now getting 10, there might be something that you need to address and look at there. Once you get back up to 20, well, there's a measurement that you can use. It may be the same for school functions. Um, it may be the same for enrolments at your school. Look at the simple measurements that you can put in place early. Now, I've been to a lot of seminars in my time and sat through some great speakers. Um, but then when it was all over, I was often left thinking, what just happened? How was that relevant to me? What did I learn? So this next part of the presentation will actually look at hopefully some helpful things that you can actually take away um, and use back in your workplaces. We might just pause at this point and just check in to see, I'll check in with Sally and see if there's any questions that people have asked that, that we perhaps can cover off as part of um, the first um, part of the presentation. Nope. Great. Okay, we'll keep moving through. So, in a customer experience strategy, um, these are the core elements which I've, I've found are the most critical. Your core elements of any strategy really are your people, your technology and your process. Outside of that, you then need to look at other, the other drivers that sit. So having technology, which is customer centric, which is based off business models and which is agile are critical elements. These will ensure that you can start eliminating some of those silos that we mentioned about initially around systems and around data um, because your technology department is one of your greatest assets. They are the ones that can help you make the change that needs to be made. Technology is part of society these days and to ignore it or underinvest in it is only going to be at the detriment of any customer experience and communication. Um, program. Process is another area is, which is a core element. In its very worst, you may actually need to reboot the whole thing. Um, there's a number of organisations which I've worked with whose lack of process or number of processes was just simply too overwhelming and people couldn't follow it, couldn't understand it, didn't have a clear direction on how they were meant to achieve anything really within the organisation. So rebooting sometimes is the only option. Also, process should always add value. There is no point putting processes in that don't add value. 
if you're putting a process in and you can't determine a value on it, then you probably aren't tackling the right issue. And data-driven. Everything that I do in my consultancy and in my work for JP Media is always data-driven. Data will give you the answers that you need. You just need to make sure that you've got the right data to start with. So work on that as part of your process. Sometimes it can be really overwhelming to look at the data because you've been in business for 100 years, your data is in six different systems, some of it paper, and you aren't able to get it. But what you can do with process is you can start the process now to capture that data in a way that's gonna be valuable and useful later, and then work on a migration strategy thereafter. People's the last one. And people is a very interesting um, section because you cannot achieve any of the customer experience communication modeling without the right people. Sometimes if you're embarking on this journey to its full extent, you actually may need to recognize that you don't actually have the talents in, internally within the organization to do it. Often failure in this category is comes from trying to put square pegs in round holes. And whilst it's a hard decision to make sometimes, sometimes the best decision is to seek out experts and bring them into your business, whether that be that you're contracting them in or you're employing them um, on a permanent basis. Mindset is another one, and this comes to strong leadership and, and drive. Um, if you're unable to get the mindset right within the organisation and unable to get people to understand the value of the experience model that you are trying to roll out, then it's going to be a long and hard journey for you. And mindset is something that you should be monitoring and should be keeping track of um, throughout the course of your journey. Collaboration is also the key. Um, never think that you're the prophet of all good ideas because you're probably not. As much as I've tried to think that myself on many occasions, it hasn't worked out best for me when I've taken that approach. So collaboration, talk to people, talk to your customers, talk to your staff, talk to your suppliers, use other companies as your benchmark and collaborate with those people to set your strategy in place. Core elements um, also then um, look at how you're able to display um, your message as it goes out to customers. So in how you create your experience, these elements are often the things that customers are looking for from you and how they want um, you to communicate with them and how they want their experience to look. Personalization is a very important part. Um, people who um, just get broad brush communication often start to view it as spam and will switch off or disengage with your organization. Integrity, a critical element to any communication um, and any customer experience plan. Expectations, understand what people's expectations are, internally and externally, but not only understand that, set them and call them out to manage those more effectively. Resolution is another key part of all customer experience and communication strategies. If you don't have a resolution process within your organization, it's an area that 
I suggest that you really start to focus on, not only for customers, but for staff as well. Effort. Customers often will look at the level of effort that they have to put in to achieving an outcome. So take a simple example of school excursions. I want my daughter to go on as many school excursions as she possibly can. But if I'm asked to fill in a waiver at the start of the year and then fill in a registration and consent form for every single excursion throughout the course of the year, my level of effort as the customer into a policy and procedure, which is an internal one for the school, is actually very high. Whereas if that effort can be reduced or, or eliminated altogether, all that is where you're going to improve your communication and your experience level. Empathy is the last one. All customers want to be loved. There's no doubt about it. They want to know that you understand them, that you appreciate them, and that you're communicating on their level. So really think about those six elements when you're producing your communications out to your customers. Often, um, people don't know where to start. People try and bite off big chunks. People try and set up massive projects. Um, I was working with a company just recently that said, yep, we understand that our customer experience journey is a three-year one and we want to map it all now. I said to the CEO of that organisation, that's just not realistic. We can set out goals and, and visions for the three-year plan, but there's no way that we can map out in its entirety, three years of work. Um, because the reality of it is, we're gonna find things out along the way. We're gonna have customer input along the way. We're gonna have staff input along the way. And we haven't gone through those engagement processes. We haven't gone through getting suggestions for improvement and looking at optimizing the process. At the moment, it's six fairly smart guys and, and girls sitting around a table making their own minds up on what this company should look like. We need to be able to be agile in the way that we do it. Now this methodology can be used for whole strategies, but it can also be used for a very simple piece of communication. Um, if the school's about to try a new service or product or way of doing things or notifying parents of something, you can use this approach for one piece of communication. Evaluate the process and the company structure first. Work out, have we informed people, do people understand internally about how we're gonna do this and how we're gonna put it out. Seek suggestions for improvement and optimize the process. And that should be from internal and external. Design in collaboration with the users. Get their input, get their feedback. Now you might be saying for a simple bit of communication, I don't have time for this. But I'll tell you, if you make the time for this, you'll find that you've got a lot of time after the communication's gone out because you are not fielding a hundred questions of, oh, I didn't understand this. What does this mean? Is that affecting my daughter? Oh no, I don't like that. No, I'm gonna go and talk to the principal. Thanks. Um, so make sure that you ensure that you use that design in collaboration with users part in everything that you do. Construction and implementation, make it structured. Don't make it ad hoc. Don't just think, oh, I've got an idea, I need to tell people, I'm gonna send it out. And lastly, 
evaluate and monitor. Make sure that your communication is effective. Make sure that your audience is receiving it well. Make sure that you're improving on every piece that you do as you go through the journey. And taking those little steps on every single piece will ensure that you'll rapidly evolve into a customer experience machine. So let's quickly have a look at the path to success. Start with the customer. It's as simple as that. There is no other starting point. I've had many, many, many somewhat heated discussions with CEOs, executives and, and managers about that that's not the place to start. We need to start with our product. We need to start with our offering. We need to start with any other myriad of things. But the only place to start with all of this is with the customer. Identify your connection points. Make sure that you understand where your customers connect with you, whether it's online, whether it's in person, it doesn't matter. You just need to understand those connection points and understand the value that the customer places on each of those connection points. And every customer is gonna be different. Choose your top customer journeys, start working on those, start mapping them out, start putting in place a simple process that you can structure your organization around. Identify your systems, tools, and principles that sit behind them. This is something which often surprises me um, when I talk to organisations that they actually don't even have an understanding of what they are. Um, you'll often, I'll often ask an executive group, list off the systems that you use. I'll get three or four, maybe. I'll then go talk to a person that works in a call centre or a customer facing role or something like that. And all of a sudden, I will see that that person's able to list 20, maybe 30 different systems that that organisation uses and tools that they use. So make sure that you identify them at all levels, understand their purpose, and then try and simplify them as much as you possibly can. Your IT areas are fantastic at helping out with this, this role. It's probably something that frustrates them and has frustrated them for years, and it's now their time to shine and tell you how you can run your business better from a system and tool perspective. And if nothing else, a pandemic should teach us is the value of your IT department and how they can improve, enhance and innovate within your business. Align with your information management. This is the one source of truth. Make sure that you're able to collate, get information in one place, but also record all of your customer interactions in that place. It's so much better if there's an interaction that's had with a customer that's potentially going to lead to an issue or, or a complaint, that there's visibility of that to, the, to other people within the school. Otherwise, they might inadvertently ask the same question to the customer which really annoyed them last time, and then they're going to cop a mouthful as well. So it can easily eliminate a lot of the issues which you might be faced by aligning your information. It also helps you build the structure and the process around your systems and tools to get your journeys in place to be able to better communicate and more tailor your communication to the customer. Align your business goals with your customer success factors. It, this one might sound really obvious, but so many organisations that I've worked with have said, yep, we're a customer focused organisation. We've got customer success factors. We know exactly what they are and we know how we're going to get there. 
I then go, great. Can I see your business goals and your vision and mission for the organization? Totally unrelated um, to the customer success factors and are often in conflict. And then this is what leads to issues surrounding um, the customer experience model from there. And lastly, but I cannot emphasize this point enough, get your people involved and customers involved at every stage. They will give you the information. They know what they want. They, they're happy to listen to you as to how and what you can do for them, but they will know why they want it. So listen to your customers. And that's staff as well as, as, well as your actual customers, students and parents. So we've got a couple of slides to go um, and then we'll take some questions. Um, so customer factors. So these factors here um, were brought out by a series of research done by a number of different organisations. And these are what your customers and customers in general see as what they're looking for, for, for them to enjoy an exceptional customer experience. They want accessibility. They want to be able to access the information. They want simple navigation. They want language used in a way that they can understand it. They want it to create and last in their memory. They want speed. They want real time, actually, these days. They want it to be intuitive. They want you to be honest and act with integrity in moments of truth. They want it to be logical. They want deliverability of the information one time in a single source. They want it to be personalized to them. They want to have choice as to how they interact with you as an organization. So don't go down a one path model. They want convenience. They want to be part of a community and they want simplicity. So next time you're sending out a piece of communication, perhaps use this as a simple checklist of, does my piece of communication meet these customer factors that they're going to be evaluating my communication on. So let's now just have a look at a global view. So, and it's funny because this global view was put together in November last year. And I was revisiting it before this presentation. I thought, oh, this is gonna all be wrong. We've had a pandemic. Um, but I actually reread it and it's actually more true now than it was before. 2020 is no time to be average. Um, if in times of crisis, being average is going to be the killer of your business. You need to be innovative. You need to be on the front foot. You need to be cutting edge um, in 2020. Look for opportunities to change the game. There's plenty of those at the moment. The game has changed. So it's actually more that you need to get back in the game. Um, this next point, I, I can't emphasise enough. You're a tech company. Regardless of your industry or sector, regardless of what your role you play, regardless of what you do, regardless of whether you like it or don't like it, you are a tech company. And if you don't view your company that way and don't invest in how you improve the technology within your organisation and how you improve and keep up with the expectations of customers in, who are living in a tech-savvy world. Now, remember, your customers aren't comparing your customer experience to another school. Your customers are, are, are comparing their, your customer, their customer experience with you to other companies they interact with. 
They're comparing your experience to the likes of Uber, Airbnb, Apple, Samsung, Tesla. Now, how does your company compare to those companies? It's an easy question to answer for most organizations. There is no comparison, but now is the time to play catch up. So take that message away um, with you and invest in that area. It doesn't have to be monumental sums of money, but just make sure that it's at the backbone of everything you do. Every business still needs to be a people business. I've had many, many fascinating arguments with people that uh, still have belief that robotics and AI will definitively take over. I'm not there yet. I still believe that everything is a people's business. So be true to that. Be more flexible in organising and managing work. Don't view this is my job and that's what I do and that's the way that I've always done it. You need to think a little bit more outside the box these days. You need to be more flexible. You need to look at how you can collaborate and interact and make everyone's job easier. That's the way of the new world. Go multi-local and develop a purpose that is good for society. This was one that I skimmed over when I first read this back in November, but now is just so super, super, super relevant. If you are not dealing and interacting with your local communities, your local engagements, um, thinking local, acting local, um, and considering global, then, and trying to build a society and a community around your organisation, um, it's probably an area that you can really start to, to look at and think about. So that then brings us to some questions um, and we'll check back in if we've got some questions there. Um, it's time for me to now hear the voice of the customer um, and I'll listen to, to what you've got to say. Hi Daniel, we do have a few questions. Sally, did you want to read those out? Uh, when we talk about this is from when we talk about customers within um, an internal focus, this is focusing for a student control group, not just current parents, um, and if so, should they be addressed as Sally, sorry, sorry, Daniel, I'll just repeat that because we can't hear Sally properly, so the uh, participants won't have heard that question. Uh, when we talk about customers within an internal focus, would you say this includes students and staff too, not just current parents, and if so, should they be addressed as separate customers? Yeah, fantastic question, uh, Jade. Um, look, 100% yes. Um, Customers of, and when I talk about customers and when I look at customers, I look at all segments of customers um, that exist within your organisation. And I think the mistake that, um, that I see in, in a schooling environment is they're very, schools are very, very good at one customer group um, and that's their students. Um, I've, I've delighted to say that I've not gone or worked with with any school where I haven't felt that the standard of education that they're delivering to an experience that they're delivering to the kids isn't of the highest of levels. And, you know, the education industry might pop some flack from time to time in the media and this, that and the other, but, you know, I, I must admit, I've been super impressed um, by the education that we give our children. The, the customer groups that I think do get ignored or, or aren't invested in heavily enough 
are the other two that you've, you've mentioned there. Staff, um, understanding them as a customer, understanding their needs, understanding their requirements. And look, again, uh, there's nothing like a global pandemic to wake a few people up. Um, I think the investment that the organisations and the understanding of the value of staff that organisations are now having and, and starting to listen to their staff and developing um, customer-focused strategies for their staff post-pandemic is, is just such great news to me because I think it was often one that was miss, missed. Parents, I would argue, are possibly the most important customer group that a school has. They are the people who pay the bills. They are the people who make the decisions. They are the people who are so emotionally invested in what is going on probably more so than in any other industry. So understanding those customers and being able to tailor communication and a customer experience strategy to parents is just vital in your industry. Um, so we've got another question here. Uh, am I able to give a customer, an example of a customer journey within a school? Um, now, I did say we weren't gonna to touch on this, but <laughs> given that the question's been asked, we might as well. Um, so look, customer journeys can be, can be holistic. Um, you can map a customer journey from trying to attract a new customer to the school, to through the onboarding process, through the first day in reception, or, or even younger these days, um, and the whole way through to them graduating, and then from them being an old scholar, through until the time that they have kids to the time that they send their kids back to your school and then that journey all starts again. But you can also look at very simple journeys within your school. Now I gave the example of school excursions. Now that is a journey that we put our customers through. How do you consent to a school excursion? How do you agree to a school excursion? How do you register, um, cover off your legal liabilities, all the rest of it? you can look at that as a customer journey on its own. And sometimes it's, it's the simple journeys like that that you can start with initially so that you can move your way through starting to happen. You don't, don't need to start at the top. And I actually would discourage people from starting at the top. Get it right with some simple journeys and then move on from there. Thank you for that, Daniel. Any other questions? Now's your chance. Sorry, before I, I uh, interject, um, Daniel just wants to go back to the slides quickly. So I'll just return to that. Sorry, people, that's my fault. I've tried to take over driving when Sally was doing such a marvellous job. So, I guess what I wanted to do was just finish up um, with some quick wins that everyone can take away. Um, as I said, I'm a big believer in taking things away from seminars so people have got things to share. So take action today, not tomorrow, today. Um, there's something out of this that everybody can do today. It doesn't have to be big. 
pick a small change, pick something that you can do, pick something that you can do today. Make sure that's within your control. A lot of this stuff people will say, oh, but I don't control that, I don't do that. I don't. Change starts with the smallest thing. Look for waste and try and eliminate it within your organisation. It's a really easy one to find um, and it's something which will help with the next one. Stop being busy. Um, there's no need to be busy. Look for ways to eliminate busy. Start focusing on the things that really matter. Consolidate your process, consolidate your actions um, and, and look at how you can improve. And last, the last one, which is probably my biggest one, is ask a customer. And by that, I mean actually really ask a customer. Go and talk to someone. Just stop someone and ask them what their experience has been like. Um, this list of companies here um, have built their models on customer experience. Most of them don't even own any assets. Um, they're experience-based companies. Why have these all emerged in the last few years? It's because that's what customers value. They value the experience that they're able to achieve from an organisation. Um, and lastly, I won't talk through this because I know we're out of time, but just to give you an idea of some of the things that my company, either JP Media or DC Consulting, are able to, to offer um, for organisations. These are the areas that, that we cover off um, as an organisation. So I believe these are all going to be sent out um, to people. Um, so hopefully take the time, have a bit of a read through. Um, and I'm happy to stick around if people have got questions that they still want to ask if that's appropriate. <laughs> um, but also feel free to shoot me some questions um, direct to me um, later. More than happy to spend some time with, with all of you. Um, and it's been an honour and a privilege to be able to present to so many people across the education, um, education industry. Well, on behalf of all the silent people in the background, I will say a massive thank you. I've learned a lot in that. Um, so Sally, over to you. Great, wonderful. So thank you very much, Daniel, on behalf of Educate Plus. You know what, it was great to see that there were over 125 different participants in this webinar today. It really says that we want to do really well when we're communicating with our customers. One thing I know I'd really love you to do is actually map how many times in a term you have spoken to or sent a piece of communication to one family and have a look and see if they have more than one child at the school. It will make your hair stand on end. Then start thinking about how you can actually minimise that. And if you need to have Daniel come and speak to your exec, then do so, he can zoom in, that kind of thing. Um, it's really valuable to have that from the top down to really support what you're doing. So um, on behalf of Educate Plus and the SA and NT chapter, I certainly hope that you've enjoyed today's presentation and we look forward to seeing you soon and check out the uh, details on our um, international conference. You'll never look back once you've been to that. So thanks so much and have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Sally. Bye, everyone. Thank you.